You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. Today's sermon comes from Mark 1, 40 through 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, can you make me clean? Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately immediately the the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter any town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Ashley. Jeff, Kat, welcome everyone. It is good to be with you and to see you. Whether this is your first Sunday or you've been here a while, welcome. You're part of the family. We hope you feel right at home. And for those joining us, Uh, via live stream as well. Thank you for tuning in to our service. And uh, it is a joy, it is a privilege when you think about it in the grand scheme of things and what believers across this world endure in order to be able to gather. It is a privilege to gather together in Jesus' name, to worship him, to hear from his word. And I hope that his word hits you. Can I say that? (laughs) Hits you right between the eyes, perhaps as it did for me this week in, in seeing Jesus compassionate touch on display in this text. We, are, we have been in the gospel according to Mark in a series called Jesus, the Servant King. I love how in Mark's gospel, what's up is down, what's down is up. And so this picture of Jesus as the humble king, as the servant king is one that I hope captures your heart and imagination as well. And one resource I would recommend too, I, I should have brought it up here with me, but there is a book by Tim Keller called King's Cross that is a wonderful and beautiful companion, I think, to this series, one that I, I highly commend to you as well. And uh, if, you're, if you're new to, uh, I think Jeff alluded to this, but we use that, um, that church center app. There's a service guide that you can look at there that has the, the sermon notes as well. And so that can also be found on our website, ebfchurch.org, right there on the front if you click service guide. And so I hope that that's a useful tool, not only with the service, but following along in other portions, uh, or the the sermon, but also other portions of the service. Last week, we were in Mark 1, looking at verses 21 through 39 in particular, and saw how Jesus' powerful authority was demonstrated in the way that he went about teaching authoritatively on the kingdom of God, how he went about healing healing the the one, Peter's mother-in-law, as well as the many, the many that were brought to him. And not only his teaching, his healing, but also his delivering, his delivering of people from 
from demon possession even. And so when we get to Mark 1, 40, we are given then one example of Jesus' healing ministry that Mark dwells on here a little bit more. Not only an example of his healing ministry, but also of the, the growing, his growing popularity and the reactions to him as well. And I believe it does a masterful job in highlighting Jesus' power and authority and purpose in bringing cleansing to God's people. So would you join me in a word of prayer? Our Father, we love you. We thank you. And we pray that you would use this time, Lord, to capture our hearts with your word. Would you plant your word within us? Would you give us fresh eyes as we approach what might be a known and familiar text? But Lord, would you show us what you have, the ways that you work according to your will, and the healing and the cleansing that is found only in you. We pray this in the matchless and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. To the first century Jew, this story would have been shocking, provocative, even perhaps offensive in some ways. And I believe we are meant to feel the, the weightiness of this story, the weightiness of what happens here in this incredible act of compassion. Jesus draws the isolated, he draws the alienated near. But at the same time, I believe that this passage is also what we might call an enacted parable. It points to an even greater spiritual reality that is present in your life, in my life, in in all of our lives. We'll see that as we go in our time together. If, if you haven't already, turn to this text, Mark 1, 40. And what we're going to look at first is the story, the story that we see of Jesus' healing touch. And then arrive at the thrust of this passage, the bottom line, and how it, how it intersects with our lives today. And then finally, be challenged with gospel imperatives, how this passage causes us to move out, to move out on mission and in mercy together. And so the story begins with the spotlight firmly fixed upon this man, this man who, with leprosy, who approaches Jesus in desperation. He approaches Jesus in both boldness and humility. Look at verse 40 again. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Mark gives no, like, details or context that surrounds this story. And uh, I couldn't help but think about uh, Danielle and I were um, at an art gallery not too long ago. And there are times in which a super elaborate frame can detract from that masterful work of art. And I kind of wonder if that's a little bit of what, what Mark does. He focuses in on the key details of what we are to see. He doesn't do a lot of framing necessarily or, or maybe um, extra details. But he wants us to focus on the key points of the story. This word for leprosy here really covers a, a range of uh, skin diseases that had devastating effects that were that progressed slowly to overtake the whole body and had destructive power in their wake. 
Josephus, the Jewish historian, writes in antiquities, his antiquities that a leper was, quote, in no way differing from a corpse. Man. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm continuously blown away by how popular zombie, that, that whole genre has become, I guess, not only in film but in TV shows, it, I admit. We've gotten a little caught up in that as well with like shows like The Walking Dead, although I think I'm seven seasons behind. I don't know, something like that. I, can't, I don't know exactly what that says about us or <laughs> says about society necessarily, but it is as if and people with leprosy were essentially considered The Walking Dead. And the attitudes and the opinions toward them treated them as if they were like living corpses. According to the law, someone with leprosy was considered ceremonial unclean. And Leviticus 13, 45 through 46 says this, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. You know, we've faced our fair share of experience lately with the concept, say, of quarantining, but not to this level, not to this extreme. And really, all of Leviticus 13 and 14 functions as like, I, I don't know what else to call it other than, if you read it, it's almost like a dermatology manual. <laughs> all of these rules and regulations, but part of that, part of that being showing God's heart of concern and trying to trying to protect and trying to consider the health of the community. But people with leprosy typically became outcasts. They were isolated in so many ways. They were isolated socially. They were isolated financially. They were isolated relationally as well. They were robbed not just of their health, but of their name, their work, their family, their community, and yes, even the community of faith to which they belonged. So can you imagine if every time you went to a grocery store, for instance, having to declare your presence, walking into that grocery store and having to yell something akin to unclean, unclean, alerting everyone to what it is that you are experiencing, what you are suffering. I might be dating myself here a little bit, but I couldn't help but think about some of the parallels surrounding how AIDS was once viewed and the fear and the, the confusion that surrounded it. Most people preferred to ignore lepers. Touching them was completely out of the question. And leprosy was considered incurable. And the widespread, widespread belief was that only God could heal leprosy. There's a story, it's actually one of my kids' favorite stories in the Jesus Storybook Bible, the story of Naaman, the Syrian military commander. If you know that story, it's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman, the Syrian commander, has leprosy and hears about this prophet in Israel and gains hope that there may be something that can be done about this leprosy and writes to the king of Israel, hoping to make contact with this prophet the king in 2 Corinthians or 2 Kings 5:7 says this as soon as the king of Israel read the letter he tore his robes 
and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of, of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. This, again, r- reveals that notion that being cured of leprosy was on the same level as raising the dead. It reflected that widespread belief that only God could cure someone of leprosy. And so we are meant, I think, to feel the scandalous nature of what takes place here, of of what this man does. He gets within close range of Jesus, and as he does so, he breaks protocol. He gets within close range because he was required to stand at a distance. According to additional Jewish traditions, if he went into a house, that house would become contaminated. If he were to step foot under a tree, then anyone else that would go under that tree would also become defiled. And so his approach, no doubt, would have caused those around Jesus to recoil, to give him perhaps a a wide berth even as as he approaches Jesus. But this man takes the initiative out of desperation and seeks out Jesus with courage and humility. We see that pictured in him begging Jesus on his knees. But he, I believe that he believed that only Jesus could heal him. Only Jesus could make him clean. And what's more, word about Jesus and his power, his miracles had clearly reached even those that were on the fringes of society. If you are willing, you can make me clean. With these words, the man did not question Jesus' ability to heal, but only whether he was willing to heal. Here was the beginnings of great faith among someone who recognized that God alone does what he pleases. It reminds me of Jesus' prayer in the garden, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Reflecting the psalmist, Psalm 135, 5 and 6 says, I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and in all their depths. Well, we're left wondering at this point how Jesus will respond But that question is quickly answered when Jesus cleanses this man with a compassionate touch and powerful words. Look at verses 41 and 42. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. You might have a a note at the beginning of this of these verses on the phrase, Jesus was indignant. You're, if you're looking at the ESV or something different, it might say Jesus was filled with compassion. And that phrase, moved with compassion, is reflected in the majority of early biblical, the majority of ancient biblical manuscripts. But a few manuscripts that are, that are early as well have this phrase, Jesus was indignant, or Jesus was angry. We're left wondering what might that anger have been directed toward. I believe Jesus displayed here righteous anger toward the ravages of sin. 
toward disease and its effects, toward death and how this man had been robbed of his very dignity as a result. At the same time, Jesus was clearly moved with compassion. Perhaps we're, we're meant to see both of these in tension together because of what happens next. He, he touches the man and heals him, clearly in keeping with Exodus 34, 6. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Either way, I believe it shows Jesus human emotion. He may very well have responded with a mixture of compassion and indignation. And what happens, comes ne- what happens next comes quite as a, as a shocking surprise. We would expect a devout Jew to withdraw, to recoil in order to maintain ritual purity. But instead of contempt, Jesus has compassion. Instead of turning away, Jesus turns toward. This man had likely not been touched since his very diagnosis. My my kids just checked out this book from the library called The Hug Machine. Highly recommend it, parents especially. This actually might be a good way of describing my son, actually. The Hug Machine. It's about this little boy that loves giving out hugs. He loves everyone and everything in his wake. And a part of me, it was, I think, written pre-pandemic. Is that a designation we're going to start using, I think, like pre-pandemic, post-pandemic? I don't know. But you read something like that and slightly, you know, it feels prickly. You're like, oh, no, (laughs) don't run around hugging everything and everyone in sight. But I think we've all gained experience with this lack of touch, and the effects that it has had upon our lives, upon our families, especially among our aging family members in particular. Think of how undignifying and withering it must have felt for this man to have not experienced human touch for who knows, who knows how many years it had been. Those around him are in utter shock as Jesus reaches out and touches the man. This gesture would have spoken even more loudly than the words that he proclaimed. It was an unheard of act of compassion that significantly strengthened this man's faith. We see Jesus' compassion also outweighing his concern for ritual purity. As William Lane puts it, the ceremonial law gives place to the law of love when the two come into collision. Well, this was sure to lead to criticism. And actually, that's where these next few passages go in Mark's gospel. But not only does Jesus reach out and touch the man, he powerfully declares, I am willing, be clean. Once more we see the power of Jesus' words on full display. He who said, follow me, and caused fishermen to leave their livelihoods and to follow Jesus. He who said, he who said, uh, in in other ways, he said, be quiet, come out of him, and demons flee their victims with a shriek. And he says, be still, 
and storms cease their raging. I am willing, be clean. And what perhaps sticks out to me more than anything else in this is that rather than Jesus becoming unclean, his compassionate touch and powerful words result in the man becoming completely cleansed of his leprosy. This man is completely healed and cleansed. Who knows how disfigured this man had been, but he was clearly healed instantly and radically and in such a way that was noticeable to everyone around them. Remember, the people thought that only God could cleanse a leper. Who is this? Who is this that even heals and cleanses lepers? Well, in verses 43 to 44, Jesus charges him to follow the prescribed procedure for being declared so ceremonially clean. It says this, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. This is the first time in Mark's gospel where we see Jesus warning a person not to say anything, but we're left wondering why perhaps such a strong warning. It could be that Jesus wanted to avoid stirring up attention and even the misunderstanding that was growing around him. He didn't want to draw crowds that would perhaps be only concerned about the miracles that he was, uh, that he was performing. And this is, I think, made evident in what happens in verse 45. You know, it is possible that this was only intended to take place, this being quiet was only intended to take place until he showed himself to the priest first. But going to the priest and offering sacrifices was clearly in keeping with the Old Testament law. And part of the healed person being declared ceremonially clean and fit for society. Leviticus chapter 14, basically that whole chapter through verse 31 is about that very process. It's an, it's an eight-day procedure, plus the travel time to and from Jerusalem with the sacrifices, the prescribed sacrifices that needed to be made so that a clean bill of health could be declared and certified in writing. I can't help but think about situations today in which we perhaps might need to show it might require a, a negative COVID test, right, before we're able to step foot within a particular concert venue or some other gathering. But this procedure was essentially like getting a health certificate from the priests. And I just, this is a total side note, but I'm glad that this is not a part of pastoral responsibilities anymore. I'd much rather say, uh, you should get that checked out <laughs> than have to be the checker, I guess, myself. But you get the point. Jesus here demonstrates that he both respects the law and does what only God is capable of doing. And where the law was powerless to do anything about this man's plight, Jesus proved his powerful authority to cleanse, his powerful authority over disease and death. And this very last phrase here, as a testimony to them, that last phrase in, in, verse, in verse 44 points to the cleansed man being sent ahead to Jerusalem as a testimony to the priests 
I believe, prior to Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem. The, the military uses this phrase, uh, advanced party. It's a phrase that I inflicted upon our elders during this, this, week's, this weekend's elder retreat. Because I was like, well, a few of us will go advanced party, and I just got some blank stares, and that's okay. They'll, they'll get it overall, eventually, I suppose. <laughs> um, what I mean by get it is they'll begin to understand the, the quirks of my military language and lingo that I probably use way too much, but... Uh, our office manager put all the times in military time, and it just, like, warmed my soul. <laughs> is that weird? <laughs> oh, man. Well, this phrase, it's almost as though Jesus sends this man advance party. He sends this man to be checked out by a priest, most likely in Jerusalem, where he would eventually make his way at the end of Mark's gospel. The last few chapters of, of Mark focus on Jesus' final week in Jerusalem. If the priests certify that healing has taken place, but don't recognize the person whose power brought it about, they stand condemned by the very evidence they supplied, that they certified even, as a testimony to them. Well, as, as a result of this man's total transformation, verse 45, the man can hardly contain himself. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, verse 45, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. You know, we're not told if he went to the priest, if he offered sacrifices. He certainly didn't keep silent. But this meant that Jesus then had to stay on the outskirts of the towns and the villages in which he was ministering, even as people continued to pour out, people continued to, to come to see him. But don't miss one significant detail, this sort of gem that Mark gives us here for what we find in the end of this passage is Jesus, this picture of Jesus taking the man's place. Where this man had previously been on the outskirts, on the margins of society, that's where Jesus finds himself by the end of this story. This, along with his growing popularity, would put him on a collision course that would ultimately lead to his crucifixion. And as we'll see in the next few passages here in Mark's gospel, this almost growing opposition that takes place, and a lot of it centers around the law. And here, Mark kind of foreshadows that in showing how Jesus upholds the law, but also does what the law is incapable un of doing in and of itself. I believe there is more than meets the eye in this radical healing and cleansing of this man with leprosy. For bound up even in this miraculous act, this miraculous act of compassion is an enacted parable of our own helpless situation, of our own desperate need for cleansing. This story is a powerful symbol of our situation before God, for we were all spiritual lepers. We were alienated and among the walking dead. 
but instead of treating us like outcasts, instead of treating us like pollutants, Jesus touched us in a radical sign of acceptance and restored us to the community of faith by taking our place on the cross. Bottom line. Warren Wearsby writes, when you read the tests for leprosy in Leviticus 13, you can see how the disease is a picture of sin. He goes on to write, like sin, leprosy is deeper than the skin, verse 3. It spreads, like verses 5 to 8. It defiles and isolates, verses 44 to 46. And it renders things fit only for the fire, verses 47 to 59. That passage talks about, you know, garments and things like that that would have to be thrown in the fire as a result. The quote continues, anyone who has never trusted the Savior is spiritually in worse shape than this man was physically. What is critical is that this man realized his desperate situation and went to the only one who was capable of doing anything about it. And unlike the leper, we are often oblivious to our own desperate situation. Sin blinds us with two insidious lies. The first is that we are not actually sinners, that we have done nothing deserving of divine punishment. And the second insidious lie is that perhaps when we do come to see sin, we can be overcome by the feeling that we've done things so bad that they are beyond saving, that we ourselves are beyond saving but Jesus is the only one who can change our lives and make us whole again. The law provided for the, the ritual purification of the leper, but it could not actually cleanse him of the disease. Only God can do that. Romans 8, 3 says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Rather than treating us with contempt, Jesus had compassion upon us. Rather than turning away, he turned toward us. And what's more, Jesus deliberately became unclean so that the man would become clean. What a profound picture of the cross. Jesus took our place. and He was numbered among the transgressors. As Isaiah 53, 12 reminds us. This picture of substitution is at the very heart of the gospel. It is why Jesus came. He took our sin and our shame upon himself and he extends to us forgiveness and holiness. His blood cleanses us from all our sin. 1 John 1, 7 through 9 makes this clear. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those who have experienced Christ's cleansing through the cross then should be moved to compassion, much like our Savior. And we should... This should cause us to ask questions like, who are the kinds of people that are treated today like modern-day lepers? Who are those who are shunned, who are marginalized, who are kept at arm's length? Over the centuries, people 
of faith have stepped out in boldness and have pioneered ministries of mercy to the sick and suffering among those that had often been written off by society. And not only do we need to relearn and retell these stories of great saints that have given their lives sharing the master's touch, we need to recover those same ministries today. Yes, get angry at the ravages of sin, of disease and death, but don't let it stop there. May we be moved with compassion, remembering how Jesus' own encounters with the lowly and the wounded broke barriers. May we be moved with compassion toward the desperate spiritual situation as well of our friends, of our neighbors, our classmates, our coworkers who are among the walking dead. I pray that God would use us, if you would use the EBF family to help bring spiritual lepers into the very presence of Jesus where they too can experience his compassionate touch, his forgiveness, his healing, his cleansing. In a moment here, we're going to sing together, Jesus paid it all. And when we do, I would love for us to especially focus on this line, Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Our Father, even as we sing this song together, we pray that it would reflect the cry of our heart. We thank you for your healing work in our lives. Father, I pray that you would indeed move us as a community of faith to step out boldly in ministries of mercy and in extending your great gospel to those who are in desperate spiritual need. Father, we praise you that while, when, while we were sinners, while we were alienated, while we were far from you, you did not treat us with contempt, but you poured out your compassion. Lord Jesus, that you willingly went to the cross, that you took our punishment in our place so that by your wounds we might be healed. We love you, Lord. We pray this in the precious and matchless name of our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EBF, subscribe to our podcast. And to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.